Pulp MX Network production. You cast me What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity, all right, man? Yeah, what's up? This is Darkside for the Moto X Pod Show. Welcome to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show, the number one moto wrap-up show in the industry. And I'm here to discuss this week's Pulp MX Show with a couple guests. But first... Let me tell you about our awesome sponsors. Guts Racing was established in 1990 as a premier off-highway seat manufacturing company, offering high-performance seat covers and foam for motocross, supercross, even off-road competition. Guts Racing has worked with every top rider at some point of their career, from Steve Lampson to Jeremy McGrath in the 90s, Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart in the 2000s, and today with Rockstar Husky Pro Circuit Kawasaki and JGR Suzuki, as well as many others. If it's style and performance you want, you've come to the right place. Check out GutsRacing.com for info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam. And listen, you know all about Michelin motorcycle tires from the Pulp MX show. And now I'm excited to announce the Michelin Bicycle Tires as a proud sponsor of the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. In 1891, Michelin patented the first detachable bead pneumatic bicycle tire. And to this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world-class podium finishing products for both road and mountain bikes. If you'd like to ride the same Michelin bicycle tires as mountain bike legend Cam Zink and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill, then visit bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products and follow them on Instagram at Michelin Bicycle. And of course, those who ride dirt bikes, motorcycles, ATVs, and UTVs know Motosport is the best place for OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear, and accessories. Motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good too. Whether you race on the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your next ride your best ride only at Motosport.com. And I want to welcome on our new sponsor, Seal Savers. Since 1999, Seal Savers has offered the ultimate protection of the off-road industry. Seal Savers is the original fork seal protection, starting with the original Seal Savers to prevent dirt, dust, and mud from getting into your fork seals. Seal Savers has since revolutionized fork seal protection with their zip-on seal savers, making installation a breeze. So check out their full line of moto products as well as intuitive products for your side-by-side. Seal Savers is the original and the ultimate when it comes to protection. Enter the code PULP25 for 25% off at sealsavers.com. Hey, and don't forget to visit pulpmexshow.com for sponsor links and discount codes as well as the Amazon widget. If you want to be on the Pulp Mex Wrap-Up Show with me to talk about the Pulp Mex Show, or you want to contribute a question or topic for the Hello Pookie segment, send it to darkside at pulpmex.com. Okay, let's get to our guests. Anyways, it was a fucking failure. I DNF'd. So I just, yeah, I'm a loser. I DNF'd. Steve, as racers, you're dick measuring all the time, no matter what you're doing. No, my right? battery so. ran out, so no fucking dick measuring for me. <laughs> just no, I'm not in the top mode and my battery's out, so yeah, my dick was super small. Yo, A-Ray, uh, so man, I just wanted to holler at you because Steve bumped you from the wrap-up show this week. Wanted to see what you thought about that. Yeah, dude, I was super pissed, you know, I was excited to get on the wrap-up show and talk to you, you know, about, you know, the whole show. I sat there and listened to it for like four hours, you know, all that bullshit, and then freaking Steve just going to clip me like that? I don't get it. I don't know. I know, I mean, would you have even listened to the show if, he, if you weren't, because you, you knew you were going to be on the wrap-up show, so I mean, like, otherwise, would you have listened to it? Yeah, I would have listened to it. Yeah, 100%. I, I expected to you to say no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd listen to it, you know, regardless. You yeah. Know, but, 
but shit, dude. I was just bummed to get clipped that way, you know? Yeah, I mean, I was excited to have you. I, you know, I always love having you on, and you were yeah. you seemed excited about it. And then Steve, you know, just he's kind of the overbearing tyrant of Pulp Mex, and he just does what he wants. You know, he makes the rules as he goes. Yeah, it's, it's honestly bullshit. You know, I listened to the show on Monday, then I heard I got clipped, and then I rode Monday, Tuesday, and honestly, I wore my Swap Moto Live HJC I-50 <laughs> both days. Right. Um, Here's the I funny. I put an Instagram story up today with the Swap Moto Live, so. Yeah. Oh. Man, swap swaps got a race favor. But here's the funny thing: uh, I've texted Trevor Trevor twice and called him once today, trying to verify, and no response. So, oh woo. shit, you might have to call me back, dude. Dude, no, and then you should say, "Yeah, sorry, man, I'm busy." Yeah, yeah, for, yeah, for sure. I'll call you back, and you know, whatever. I mean, if you need me, I'm always there. But <laughs> you know, it's whatever. Maybe I'll, I'll call you back, and uh, we'll we'll cover we'll wrap up a swap moto lives podcast yeah yeah for sure you know i'm actually headed over there to the swap moto live headquarters right now to, to record so nice well, uh, well, yeah, well i i apologize i uh i don't really i kind of explained myself and what some of the listeners have thought about having the you know this week's guest on the show and uh once again steve and i aren't on necessarily in agreement on it but hey it's his show dude so i gotta do what i gotta do hey i hear that well, all right, man. Well, well, hey, you guys have an awesome freaking wrap-up show without me. It, it can't. Need to suck it. <laughs> all right, it can't be awesome without you. It's gonna suck without you. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. Well, I appreciate that. All right, hey Ray. Hey, thanks for coming on for just a minute. Uh, we'll talk to you soon, bud, and we'll reschedule. All right, sounds good. Yeah, fit me in, dude. We'll do. See ya. <laughs> That's Dark Side, everybody. He did a good job hosting. He didn't lock up or anything. All right, my first guest of the night. Brought to you by Michelin Bicycle Tires from Michelin Motorcycle Tires, the one and only, the great Randy Richardson. How are you doing tonight? Doing great, man. I am super excited that you did not get bumped. A-Ray, yeah. Ray, not so thrilled. Uh, he's already recorded his response, which uh, is at the beginning of the show. It's already pre-recorded. So, yeah, he wasn't thrilled. Really? But yeah. <laughs> the man that he got bumped for, brought to you by Seal Savers, Mr. Trevor Reese from Maxima. What's up, dude? Oh, man, just uh, just getting off work today, and, uh, yeah, excited to be on. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, absolutely, man. I uh, and I would have loved to have you on any time. I just I didn't know that uh, Steve was going to throw that out there last minute, but I think it's going to be cool to have a new, a new guest on. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. Of course, I'm Dark Side. I'm brought to you by uh, Guts Racing tonight. And the cool thing is, at least for me, maybe not everybody else, we're back tonight for 446, and we are back with the wrap-up show for 2021, all thanks to guys like Randy Richardson. So since you're here tonight, thank you so much. Uh, no problem at all. Glad to continue our relationship with, uh, with Steve and, and the Pulp MX platform, including uh, the wrap-up show. So glad to be a part of it. Yeah, I'm stoked that I, I thought I might have uh, – I blew it a few weeks ago with uh, the, the tire debacle, but – uh, you you were a kind enough and a great enough gentleman that you overlooked my my mistake. Well, I I think you know me well enough to know I'm an equal opportunity offender. So sure, if I get sure, a chance sure. to uh, if I get a chance to jab jab at anyone, that's I find uh, enjoyment in that for sure and and being picked at. So uh, so anyway, it's a it was a good deal all the way around. Awesome. Sure. Well, I I appreciate it. I'm really excited. I think the whole world's excited. It, it's headline news. We're back. It's going to be great. 
Um, mm-hmm. But let's get into episode 446. Uh, Trevor Reese, Rusty Holland in studio. The two main guests on the show were Joey Savacci, Brock Tickle. Uh, Trevor, so, listen, guys, I don't know how I feel about this particular episode. It was a little slow for me, and it, it really kind of revolved around Rusty for me, guys. Um, I thought he had really great stories, but there was just some moments where the show's full of ball busting. We're big fans. We know that. And he seemed very uncomfortable, Randy. Uh, and it kind of, like, it sort of bummed me out a few times, to be honest. Okay. And and do you feel like uh, it, it bums you out his reaction to it or or – or Steve's bringing it up about 14 times. No, not, not uh-huh. him bringing up the aggressiveness, but <laughs> that was, yeah. but that, that is true. He did do that a lot. Uh-huh. Uh, and we're going to get yeah. to that for sure. But you know, you know, like talking about other riders and Rusty, Rusty kind of said, Hey, I, I sometimes, and I have some of this audio later, have a hard mm-hmm. time swallowing some of the things you say, or let's not get on to Chris Kiefer right now. And I was like, Oh, come on. That's what we're supposed to do. Like, wait till I call mm-hmm. in. He's going to bust my balls nonstop. Yeah. And that's, and I think, Correct me if I'm wrong. I think that's his first time in studio and yeah. and everything, right? Yes. And just yes. Uh, honestly, just just getting in past uh, past the security gates uh, and into the palatial uh, estate that is the Pulp and Mex uh, Empire uh, is a bit overwhelming, right? Um, yeah. Much 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 nicer than the other uh, gigantic house that he and Pookie had. <laughs> so uh, anyway, they still but, have. Know, and, 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 yeah, and all, yeah, they still have. Yeah, and. In in all honesty, uh, you know, first time in studio, it's a little bit overwhelming, and and you kind of uh, establishing a comfort level. So maybe a little bit of nervousness um, could have played into that. But uh, all in all, yeah, I think he, I think he was good. Okay, fair enough. Trevor, you've been in. Uh, is this your second time or third? This was my second time. Second time, and I'm going to get to being on the show, and you know, first time and second time, and how that feels to be on in a little while. Uh, but what did you think of the show overall, Trevor? Just sitting in the studio with Rusty, hearing the stories. Um, you know, good time, obviously. Yeah, I, I mean, I had a great time. Um, I think it's, you know, Steve, Steve does a good job in, in keeping things moving. I, I I know firsthand from sitting there now, you know, the show being five hours, it's a, it's a long period of time. And uh, to keep topics rolling and keep things interesting and, and things like that for that amount of time can be a challenge. So, um, overall, I thought I thought the show was fun. I had a good time. I mean, even though it's my second time on there, you still have, uh, I guess, what you would call it nerves a little bit. Just a uh, different environment. Uh, you got the camera on you, stuff like that. So I, I think even for myself being the second time, it was a little bit nerve-wracking and, and probably a little bit for Rusty, too. But uh, overall, like I said, I had, I had a lot of fun and uh, looking forward to, to doing it again. So. Awesome, awesome. Okay, so guys, right off the bat, Trevor, you're at the house I'm watching on YouTube, or I'm trying to watch on YouTube, and there are some technical difficulties, no video. I'm trying to figure out how the hell I'm going to watch the show because it's not on YouTube. It's not on Facebook. Uh, at the time, apparently, Marks had to uh, upgrade or re- reboot the software for the, the switcher, which runs all the cameras. And by the way, Steve, I'm sending you TJ's resume because that would never happen on our show. But regardless <laughs> of that, what was the... Um, what was the mood like going in, knowing there was technical difficulties? Was Steve cool as cucumber or getting a little stress, stressed out? Uh, I think there was there was a, a little stress. So yeah. they were scrambling a little bit, trying to trying to swap laptops, find another laptop, make it happen. But uh, yeah, we kind of 
just kept it moving and and March got it sorted. But uh, yeah, at first there was definitely a little bit of scrambling on on why it was happening and and how could we fix it. So I, I can only imagine because the reality is I have had those issues before and. I freaking love it when Steve has technical issues because it makes me feel so much better about myself. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it was great. Um, and I want to get to Rusty in just a minute, but I want to talk about you, Trevor. Steve brought up that typically when guests are over, they go on a mountain bike ride. Randy, you've done it, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, you weren't able to this time. Talked about a little bit about it, maybe uh, having an issue at Dreamland. Give me, give me a little more about that, because I, I got a text from a mutual friend of ours with a little more detail. I want to know how much you're willing to tell us. Yeah, so uh, I, I wish I could have could have mountain bike with him. Uh, the, the last show I did, we, we got to get out and ride and had a good time. So uh, uh, about almost three weeks ago now, I was uh, doing some travel for work and had lined up with, uh, with a buddy of mine out there in Tennessee, Justin, and... Uh, we kind of made a little plan to road trip with a dealer that was out there in the Tennessee area down to Florida. Uh, and I had plans of going to Minio's regardless. So, um, just ditched flying and, and made the trip from, from Tennessee down there with those guys in the car. And, uh, we had a, a great opportunity to go to the, the Rensland's house and, and do some riding. So, uh, I don't, I don't ride too much anymore. I mean, I could count on my hands probably the amount of times I've, I've ridden over the last four years or so. I, I still, really enjoy riding and uh you know one of the injuries that i that i had at the end of my career kind of uh inhibits me from from riding like i used to but uh so i still get out every once in a while and do some riding and so justin's like hey bring your gear uh he's like i got my bike you can ride my bike and i'm like ah, man i'm not going to pass up the opportunity you know to go down there and check that place out so make the trip down there um start riding and just having a ton of fun it's like the best day ever the track is insane uh, Luke and, and his brother Cody, they were awesome. Great hospitality. Like the track was prepped, so yeah. perfect. Some of the best dirt I've ever ridden. Like everything you would expect it to be. So, um, towards the end of the day, uh, we're having fun, shooting some video and some photos and stuff. And, and in, you know, typical, the last couple of laps that probably would have rode that day, uh, went off one of the jumps. And for whatever reason, that some sort of bog, something like that, and the bike ended up shutting off. So, um, mm. was going, was going over the bars. I remember trying to push the electric start button again in the air. Like it was actually, <laughs> there's not very many, there's not very many small jumps on that track. And, uh, it seemed like it was in slow-mo there for a minute and, uh, ended up jumping over the front of the bike and, and landed on my feet and, um, banged myself up pretty good. I got, I got lucky all things considered, but I did bump my head pretty good. So I ended up going and getting, uh, checked out real quick there, but, ended up breaking uh, a couple bones in the top of my foot. Yeah. So that's why I, uh, I wasn't able to make the, uh, the mountain bike, mountain bike ride. All right. Well, that's, that's from your, yours buddy and my buddy, Justin Jennings, who's been on the wrap up show before. Thanks Justin for that info. Yeah. Uh, Randy, what I take away from that story and my main reason for bringing it is up, it up is Trevor was on Justin's bike when he crashed. I am mm -hmm. not the only one. Well, with all due respect, there's a big difference between Triple J's bike and, and Damon Bradshaw's bike. You know what okay. I mean? It always <laughs> like, goes that's back. Like, like, I've, like I've been to, you know, I've been to Steve and Pookie's house and I've drank water from many a bottle in that house, but I don't, I don't drink water from Damon Bradshaw's bottle. That is like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Whew, there's okay. a big difference there. Yeah. There's a big difference there. Uh, I thought I, I thought I had a little 
you know, a little up one up or something where I could kind of make it seem a little better, but apparently you're not going to allow it. No, 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 no. Fair enough. No, no. But, right. but uh, yeah, bummer, bummer to get hurt. And uh, Triple J is uh, for sure. Justin's a great dude. Yep. Uh, great dude, for sure. Absolutely. He's going to be back on the show in a couple weeks. So, yeah, we'll Ooh. be looking forward to that. All right, Trevor, being at the house, I, t- I asked about the show prep with the switcher going down, but just – ahead of time an hour ahead of time you're sitting at the house steve's probably getting ready for the show give us a little insight the listeners a little insight as to what's going on steve maybe he's on the phone i don't know if he's you know looking up information making notes is he ignoring you is he you know what's he like in that hour or two hour before showtime uh, i mean he's uh to be honest it was a lot of bench racing for us like we we sat down and and honestly dove into some of the topics that we ended up talking about on the show. It was almost like we, we couldn't wait to talk about some of them. Um, obviously with all the memorabilia and things like that mm. down in the, in the studio now, there's some conversation about that, checking out some of the, some of the cool stuff there. And then, you know, he's a, he's a super fan of, of dogger as we all know. So I get lots of uh, dogger questions and uh, wants to know what the dogger's up to. So yeah, it was, I mean, overall it was pretty light, you know, take your shoes off, head down there and, <laughs> and hang out. So yeah. Yeah, Randy, uh, pretty much the same experience for you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I guess it depends more so on the, the time of the season, you know, because you guys covered some some historical information with, with Rusty and his racing, a little bit of silly season stuff and, and, and preparing for the guests. But um, I think, you know, his preparation depends on if there was a race the, the weekend before um, and so on like that. But <clears throat> all in all, Steve is uh, – He's very dedicated to getting everything in order. Um, he takes a lot of pride in, in the platform that he and the content he puts out. And, uh, you know, he gives me a hard time for that. Everything's a production about me, but uh, <laughs> yeah. he puts he puts he puts a lot of effort into doing his production uh, for sure. So. It's interesting. You, both of your experiences were very different than mine. Uh, I got there, came down the studio and he told me to go sit in the bathroom, shut the door and not look at him in the eyes. Be quiet until <laughs> till showtime. <laughs> No, he did not. <laughs> no, of course not. I, 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 no. But, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I had the same experience. Very, very cool. Yeah. Race a little bit. Yeah, Steve's a good dude. Uh, Trevor, what was for dinner? What'd they get? Uh, we had Chipotle. Nice. Okay. Right on. Yeah. That's actually what I expected. Yeah, a, Go ahead. Yeah. First. Oh, I was just gonna say. Yeah. First. First commercial break. Chipotle went down. So. Right on. All right. Well, let's get into the show. I want to start off by talking a little bit about Rusty. Um, and I'll be honest, I didn't know a ton of these stories, um, a lot of the history with him. And right off the bat, the main thing, as you kind of alluded to, Randy, throughout the whole night, Steve kept bringing up how aggressive he was. Uh, and Rusty didn't seem to love that he kept bringing that up. Kyle said, that dude took me out at a fair race so hard when I was 16, I almost filed assault charges. <laughs> I don't remember it. Another guy said, don't feel bad. He had multiple offenses like that. Uh, another guy said, he cleaned my kid out at Arena Cross in 2010 after my kid hit him. After the race, I told my son, dude, that's Rusty Holland. He don't play. Well, if there was money on the table, uh, obviously, I don't think anybody was playing. But, uh, you know, it was just, it was neat. You know, obviously, at a local level and even at times at Supercrosses and stuff. Um, yeah. The intensity gets driven real high real quick, yeah. and uh, the person that wants it the most usually gets it. So, um, did, did Russ teach you how to take anybody out? Was he maybe running down the finer <laughs> points of it? You know, it's funny. Is, is, uh, Russ, you were an aggressive I, rider, Russ. I mean, you, you, oh, 
to say the least. <laughs> well, thank you, JT. He's been shaking his head at me all night tonight. It's like, oh. Russ, you were aggressive. I oh. saw him do things to other people that I was literally like, my mouth was, my jaw was on the floor. <laughs> I mean, of course, there are some incidents, a lot, a lot more <laughs> mistakes more than intentional. Oh, mistakes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Well, all right, Randy. So I'm going to let you touch on this first. Again, you mentioned it was brought up a lot. It's clearly a big part of Rusty's uh, aura or who he is, you know, who he's known as, his legend. Um, but he didn't seem like he loved talking about it. But for, at least for me, it was super entertaining. Like, made me go Google some of these things or YouTube these, these incidences. Yeah, I think uh... – you know, I, I'm somewhat familiar with with Rusty's uh, racing, and and definitely he was kind of a, you know, a, a hard hitting, aggressive, assertive uh, racer. And uh, but but I think that was more common uh, in in that era. You know, I, for sure it was. You know, for me watching it in the in the '90s and stuff, there was a bit more banging and and uh, you know bar banging and so on. Um, but yeah, and I don't know if sure, you know, I don't know him, uh, Rusty. I did get a chance to meet him, uh, out there at World Vets and we, we chatted for a few minutes, uh, when he came over by Kiefer's and, uh, super nice guy. I don't know if, you know, as we get older, we change a bit and, and mellow out a bit, you know, he's raising a kid and, or maybe more than one kid, but he's raising kids and mm-hmm. involved in racing. So, so maybe he's just, you know, trying to, uh, change in a sense to, to, to you know, be a better example for the kid. Not saying he was a bad example by racing, but uh, it was a different time. Sure, you know, yeah, people, makes sense. People, people hit people. You know, I, I used to <laughs> racing back east. Uh, Jim Chester, who's you know now a Western Power Sports regional sales rep. Jim Chester would would t bone his grandmother out of a wheelchair for more con- <laughs> contingency money. Right, right, right. And uh, and and I you know, and I told him one time years ago after he just took somebody out. I'm like. I told him, Jim, look, you're faster than me. So, you know, there's no need for you to take me out like that. And if you do, I'll drive my box van over everything you own. <laughs> right. So, so, so just pass me because you're yeah. faster than me. Yeah. But it was a different time back then, I think. So that, that sounds similar to what JT told, uh, Tyler Evans, which I have that audio. We'll play that in a little while, but that's it's <laughs> oh, funny because yeah. you sort of just answered a question I plan on asking you later. Uh, okay. But uh, yeah, so Trevor, being in studio with him and, and hearing these stories and see bringing it up, like I said, I felt he he seemed uncomfortable a little bit doing just in general. Like he mentioned, you know, his ears were getting hot with the headphones. Like the whole process seemed to be just out of his comfort zone. I mean, he did a fine job. But you could tell it wasn't something he's used to. He, I even asked, do you listen to the show regularly uh, just because based off some of these feelings I was having? Did you feel any awkwardness, anything, or was it you know, pretty, pretty comfortable to you? I mean, for me, it was, it was comfortable just, just being a racer, I guess. So, like, you can kind of attest to some of those situations maybe. But, um, you know, kind of like Randy had said, like, his – his era was just a, it was just a different time. I mean, that's how, that's how things mm-hmm. went back then. There was, there was no fines and there was no suspensions, you know, and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I think in, in Rusty's position in, in talking with him, it sounds like he, he chased these fair races and money races and all these stuff for a long time, making a living at it. And right. so when you, maybe when you don't have a, you're not, you know, you don't have a salary with a team or something like that. And it's like, well, Hey, I got to pay my bills and, and I do it on two wheels. So I'm going to do whatever it takes to, to get it done, you know? And that seems like the mentality that he had. So, um, I think, I think now maybe he's a little bit uneasy with it because he's, 
he's making his way through, uh, you know, an industry job now and a new role there. And so, um, and the conversation keeps coming up about him just cleaning people out back <laughs> yeah, in the day. So, yeah, yeah. You know, I could see a, a little bit of uneasiness because of that, but I, I mean, I think he handled it well, you know, some, uh, some people love it, you know, and some people are going to hate it. That's, that's anything in the industry or, or, you know, writer to writer, everybody's going to have opinions. So, uh, overall, I, I mean, Steve, you know how Steve is. He likes to, he likes to drive things home, you know, when oh, he's yeah. on a topic, he, he has a hard time letting it go. So, uh, I, you know, I, I think, uh, it's all in good fun. You know, Steve's, uh, Steve means well by everything. And, uh, at the end of the day, he's, he's a super fan and he's got more knowledge than just about anybody when it comes to races 10 years ago, 15 years ago, who got third place, fourth place. I mean, he's, he knows so much. So I, I think he's, uh, you know, he's not uh, harmfully poking fun at anybody. I agree with you. Uh, very rarely is it anything where I think he's actually, there's no maliciousness in any of it. Every once in a while he maybe means <laughs> the negativity that he's saying if he's mad at somebody. But you know, and, and, the, and the the thing that Steve the thing that Steve will do if he if he finds a nerve, oh. then he will continue to to stay on it, stay on it, stay on it. And and you know that uh, dark side, you've been uh, subject to that. And you know when you know he he gets at me a few little things, he knows that'll that'll bother me, yep. and and we all do the same. So uh, yeah, I think that's why he kept revisiting uh, those type topics with Rusty was to to make him feel a bit more awkward so um, yeah you're right you're right yeah he, he's just making good content in his eyes making good content <laughs> sure. on his on his janky radio show his yeah, yeah janky radio show where the cameras mm-hmm. don't work Man. Uh, yeah. um all right randy i got a question for you for you um okay. trevor said that he feels like this may be the most the strongest lineup mcr's ever had this was obviously was a topic uh with mm-hmm. with tickle coming on um McElrath, freeze bloss and tickle do you agree with that um, as far as, uh, overall strength, uh, yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Um, you know, I, I think that having, uh, you know, Brayton on there before he's obviously a higher level guy. Yeah. You know, one day it's on a super crossback. So, so he's like a top, top level and then the other in supporting roles. Um, but I think that they all have, uh, you know, you know 1.5 level guys or if you will, right. Or a minus guys or whatever. Um, I think it's a, a more uniform, high-level uh, team for sure. Yeah, I think the uniformity, that mm-hmm. that term is a good way to put it. Because, yeah, they've had Brayton, they've had Mookie, mm-hmm. guys that could win. But overall, consistently, I, I think Trevor mm-hmm. may be on to something. Those guys should be yep. all very consistent all year as long as everybody stays healthy. And it's going to be exciting to watch. Um, mm-hmm. I want to touch on another topic that was brought up. Trevor, you talked about Maxima, who you work for, losing Geico and JGR. Um, how does that affect a company like that? I don't know how much you can say, be, like financially versus the exposure. Like I, I don't know how that works. I assume Maxima pays something to be on. You know, they pay to be on the team to have the the signage on the on the truck and everything. But I don't know how that correlates into recouping the money, return on investment, ROI, right? I think that's what it's called. Um, yep. Or versus, though, just the fact that everybody sees the logo and how much losing those teams, how much it hurts you. Because you're no longer paying in to have to pay to be on the truck, but then you lose all the exposure. Like, Can you talk about that, Eddie? Yeah. So, I, I mean, there's, I guess there's a, 
it's kind of a loaded question, but okay. I, I think for for us, uh, you know, Max has been so heavily involved in two wheel racing, you know, since the company was started, and uh, the brand's grown into so much more now, and so many different segments. But at the end of the day, we're rooted in two wheels, and that's motocross and supercross, uh, and so you know, for us, it's it's more so supporting the sport. So now the Geico opportunity is, is a great opportunity. It's a high level team. Um, and from a brand's perspective, anytime you can put an aftermarket oil company's logo on a factory level team, that's, um, that's, that's priority for us. Uh, I kind of mentioned it on the show that I think our biggest competitors in the oil uh, side of things are OEMs. Uh, so anytime we can partner with somebody that races at the highest level that has factory support and they're, opting to use our product we find that to be a benefit to us mm-hmm. um but from an ROI's perspective uh it, it's tough to gauge you know i think it's getting harder and harder to gauge now it's more so that uh we're doing it to support the sport uh we we enjoy the team's atmosphere what the team's about what the team's trying to accomplish you know we're a we're a technical partner in my opinion meaning that we bring some things to the table uh that perhaps other brands can't from a technical perspective and uh, our ability to commercialize products that we've tested at the highest level that we can now provide to all consumers. Um, another thing that's kind of unique about Maxima is that, you know, the, the products that these guys are racing on at a factory level are the same products that hit the dealer's shelf. So we don't do anything that's, you know, specific to these guys in oil that nobody can purchase that's just ran in these factory level bikes and things like that. So I guess, um, you know, for us, it's, to support the sport, it's to partner with people um, that we feel, you know, um, are well, you know, represent the sport well. Right. Uh, and and at the end of the day, we need marketing assets as well. So if we can put our logo on on the guy that won, has the number one play from the East Coast title, that you know, that's that's uh, that's ultimately what the goal is there. So um, to to put a real ROI on, it's hard. Just sure. If I was to take into consideration the amount of of money we spend on the team and the amount of product that we get to the team and did that translate to sales to make up the difference that's very hard to do um so i think collectively if we continue to do our job on on both ends whether that's the commercial side or that's the sponsorship side and the brand continues to have success and continues to grow that gives us the ability to continue to partner with more people and invest more to support support the segments that we're involved in awesome i appreciate that answer i think while you when you brought that up last or Monday night, I, I thought of that, just kind of wondering how it works. And, Randy, them losing those teams, COVID has a lot to do with some of the things going on right now. Has COVID affected Michelin at all? Uh, you know, has it hurt you guys any? I know motorsports sales are up, but has there been a, any real effect on Michelin? Um, Negatively? Uh, I, would, I would say in some in some business units, most definitely, you know, without without sharing too much information um we're all living in the power sports industry world so we're all fully aware of the the increased amount of people who are either buying new bikes or or getting old bikes going again the bicycle industry is is maxed out and and not only uh tires but you know helmets and brake pads and chains and riding gear whatever that is um michelin being such a a large company uh global company um there are impacts on things for example you know, our aviation division, you know, airlines were, were, uh, were grounded for quite some time. Right. Mm-hmm. If we think about, uh, we think about how many people, including myself, myself, 
who are currently, you know, working from home. There's a lot less travel, a lot less cars on the highway. So um, the compensation of, of tires as a product changes by, by segment. So um, overall, we're a very financially strong company and, uh, and working through the, the pandemic quite well. But in some segments, yeah, we have some impacts and negative impact on our, uh, on our business simply because that, that entire industry is impacted. Yeah, be, yeah. It autom- be, it, be it automotive tires or be it aviation tires, right, yep. for example. All right. Well, very interesting answer and like not Mm -hmm. being in business like you guys are. um, Sometimes that stuff, you know, I don't think about that stuff so much, you know, it's just, Mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting to hear. Um, Hey guys, Gus Racing was established in 1990 as a premier off-highway seat manufacturing company offering high performance seat covers and foam for motocross, supercross, and off-road competition. Gus Racing has worked with every top rider at some point of their career from Steve Lamson, Jeremy McGrath in the 90s, to Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart in the 2000s, and today with Rockstar Husky and Pro Circuit Kawasaki. Uh, it, it is style and performance you want. You've got to come to the – shoot, I just blew that up. If it's style and performance you want, you've come to the right place. Check out GutsRacing.com for info on many products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam. That was terrible, terrible read. <laughs> well, you know, and there I was. I was enjoying that, and I was getting ready to tell you that that – Jason Wygant could not have done it better, but then, but then just like, just like his son, you kind of flubbed it there at the end. uh, Uh, Anyway, it's all right. Hey man, I'm, I am what I am, Randy. They aren't we all. Yeah. We all. All right. Joey (laughs) Savacci, man. What a pleasant interview. Um, there's been some tension between Steve and Joey. We've heard about it in the past. Hey, but Joey, he manned up, he came on the show. Uh, you know, he talked openly about fans being negative and dealing with that. Let's listen to a little piece of audio, and I, I'm, I was really into this interview. Hey, man, I know you don't like me, but I figured I'd come on anyway. Oh, see, I was going to say I know you don't like me, but I appreciate you taking the time to come on. So that's what I was going to say. <laughs> I figured you'd do something like that. You tried turning on me. I don't have a problem with you. I just I think you need to work on getting your, your guys to, like, to not hate me, and then I think we'll be okay. Can't be toxic, Steve. <laughs> that's what you do to me. As a professional athlete, you know, like I obviously train and everything I do is to win. And when I don't win, obviously I'm not happy, but I guess I, I can be happy. Uh, uh, I can be happy to an extent, and then if I'm not happy, I can take it out later about myself. Yeah. So if I'm not happy and things aren't going well, like I, just, I have a hard time putting on a fake face and being like, oh, man, everything's awesome, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. I'm not happy. I feel like people should know I'm not happy. But <laughs> that's, that's a fine line, too. Randy, um, look, I thought he was very open. A lot of Joey's had a lot of criticism from the keyboard warriors about not being a great interview. I thought he was great Monday night. I thought he was honest. I loved what he had to had had to say. Yeah, I completely agree. I I don't know uh joey at all i I met him once in the airport he and uh, carmichael were traveling to somewhere and we crossed paths in the atlanta airport and and just met him briefly so i I don't know him Mm -hmm. i think that his his personality is one that that is a little bit i don't want to say puzzling um but it's it's not just clear what his personality is right because he's more of a quiet it seems like he's a little bit more of a quiet guy yeah um and and i loved it that that what he shared which was true is you know, look, everyone says you don't say something, this and that. Well, then he says what he's thinking and everyone calls him a whiner. And, and that's, <clears throat> that's unfortunate. Cause I think, um, I think 
some people get some people get a, a few uh, a few passes on that, and everyone else gets uh, gets criticized. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, sometimes, depending on depending on someone's perception of a racer, and that perception may be wrong, right? And uh, so, yeah, I thought he was very well spoken. I thought he was very transparent, and I loved it that he just got on Steve right out of the gate. You know, <laughs> yeah, busting yeah. Steve's busting Steve chops. That was good. So that's always great. Uh, I like it. Like when Carmichael comes on and does. Yeah, anybody that busts Steve's balls, it makes me happy. Um, yep. Trevor, look, it, as humans, it's it's difficult unless you're Randy Richardson to almost always come across seemingly as positive and happy. Um, you know, we all have things that happen in our lives. Uh, you know, I go to work sometimes, and if my fiance and I have had an issue, it, I, I, I personally can't just let that go. Like it's on, it, I, w- I wear my emotions on my shoulder. It's kind of what Joey was saying. Um, it, it's it, we don't think though, as media or as fans, all the time. Oh crap, man! This dude might have just had a fight with his wife last night, or or whatever. And we we hide hold them to a higher standard. And Steve sort of talked about that. That's what you have to expect as a professional athlete, but it, it really is a little unfair. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. And I, and I had kind of mentioned on the show too, that, you know, nowadays everybody's so accessible with, with social media and things like that. And, um, you know, people's ability to just jump on Instagram and write somebody a, a terrible message about how they feel about them, you know? And uh, I think, I think for these guys, you know, professional racers, it's there's so much more behind the scenes that that the fans never see and they'll never know about. You know, they they see they see the guy that shows up on Saturday and 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 that's all they know about him. You know, mm-hmm. they don't know how his week went or if he did have an issue at home or things didn't go perfect all week or he didn't feel well or he fell over and he banged up and you know, they the the professional side of things you know, they they hide stuff like that, and you don't know anything about what's going on behind the scenes aside from which guy shows up on Saturday. So I think uh, it's challenging for those guys to to always put a smile on and, and be super happy. And uh, and I think, you know, for racing motorcycles, you know, it's, it's a dangerous sport. You know, there's, uh, that weighs on guys, too. You haven't had a great week. You're uncomfortable. There's expectations on the weekend of how you're supposed to do. You're getting paid X amount of money. And and mentally it's it's very challenging for these guys to be their best all the time and so i think that's something that um you know that the the average fan doesn't have a grasp of in my opinion i totally agree uh and randy look we we always say or we hear all the time man why are these guys just robots well i want the real guy i want some personality and i think i believe adamantly that through the pulp mech show very, very often we do get the real guy because I've said this many times, Steve is sort of Howard Stern ish where he, he does such a good job with the, with the interviews. The guys seem to end up feeling more comfortable and and bringing that stuff and being themselves on air. And then we as fans and listeners get to hear that. Yeah, I fully agree. Uh, I think, and Steve can bring out the, best and or worst in people i think his relationship uh long-standing relationships in the industry enables him to, to to pull out the personality of someone um in general that's my thoughts on it yeah um okay how about the, he, he told steve told the story during this conversation 
uh, because we heard Joey say, you know, you got to pull your, your, your fans back a little bit, try to, you know, because they, they could be kind of, they can be hard on us. And Steve told the story of shitting on a goggle company and then the fans start emailing and all that. And sometimes Randy, I wonder if Steve forgets or really realizes what a, um, impact he has on the industry, what his listeners, you know, how he really does pull a lot of weight, no pun intended. Yeah, it's, uh, he absolutely does. And, uh, and even for me, you know, being like relatively a very, very small person within the industry, but yet having some, uh, people awareness of me having been on the show, this and that, if, if I'm at like when I was at Loretta Lynn's or some local motocross events or ride days where I'm at, you know, people have, you know, quote, pulp and mix conversations with me. And uh, it's amazing how how strong the following is and the influence he has. And uh, and yeah, and I I don't think that he um, I don't think he's fully aware of it. Um, And I think maybe, you know, 2020 has been a little bit different because we didn't have so much uh, social interaction with fans. They didn't get to do, you know, a bunch of live shows and so on. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think, uh, when, when he does the live shows, be they, you know, his live shows or the fly racing live show in, in the, in the pit area, then he gets some interaction with fans as far as the reach they have. But, uh, yeah, he definitely, definitely has some influence and, and the pulp nation can either get on some people or get behind them. <laughs> yeah. Way, so, which is exactly why Michelin motorcycle tires and Maxima, uh, are on board with the pulp mix show because of, of his reach and what the fans, you know, the support they give. So, uh, always, always good stuff with that. Um, look, Joey had a very valid question, which ended up giving us a little peek behind the curtain of how Steve does things. Let's hear it. Listen, before we even get started, okay. I don't know if you right. want to talk about this on air or if you want to talk to me in private, but I want to know who you know and how you always find this stuff out because you really blew that one wide open the night before. Uh, yeah, but if I was doing my really good job, Joey, I would have known about it weeks ago. I really I really sucked at that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, but I, was, I could probably count on one hand the amount of people that actually knew. Really? Someone sent me a screenshot of it, and I'm like, damn it, Steve. <laughs> like, just leave it alone. <laughs> No, that's my but, job, uh, man. That's what I do. I, I uh, but I, I heard it, I heard it from somebody on a team, but I can't yeah. go with just that. You know what I do, Joe? You know how I do it, right? When yep. I send a text, to, when I send a, a text to confirm something, I send it to the guy like I already know it's fact, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Because then they're like, oh wow, he knows. Right, <laughs> right. And then just boom, I got it. Well, Trevor, I, I will now be uh, stealing this move, but. It really is, I don't know about you, I, I generally go to PulpMX Twitter page or Twitter feed, whatever, first, when I'm looking to see what's new today, what, what's what's in the industry, what's going on in the industry. Uh, Steve's usually where I go first. He's generally one of the first person people to post anything. It's pretty impressive, and, and now we know why. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, he's very well connected, so... Um, and, and like I already touched on before, I mean, he is a, a super fan. Like he, he, he honestly wants to know, you know, he, it's exciting for him. So, oh, yeah. um, but you know, it, it was funny. That was a, a funny part of the conversation between him and Joey. So, uh, I enjoyed it. All right. Well, cool. Yeah. I, I, I laughed out loud and I was like, I got I definitely am writing that note down. I'm going to try that and see if I get the same response from, j-bone or whoever you know <laughs> obviously and that, that, 
that's almost like the kid as a kid going, Mom said it was okay yeah. if, if I go if it's right. okay with you. Right. Yeah. Like okay. playing one against the other. Yeah, it's pretty pretty ingenious. I liked it. Um I wanna go I wanna go back to the uh writers being under the microscope, having their show their best face. Uh Trevor, you know, you raced, uh Rusty had some some thoughts on it. I wanna play something, we'll talk about it. A lot of people don't realize just the the week to week, the day to day, the grind, the stress yeah. that these guys yeah. deal with. No. You know what I mean? It's it's. Well, I mean it. And they're young too. These guys, they're young, totally. right? Like they're, totally. all of us are older, and yeah, these guys are twenty three years old, and all of a sudden they got to be, you know. Yeah, and you've got some, you know, some grown man that's that's talking bad about you, you know, that you've never met <laughs> yeah. or you don't know, or you know, yeah. so it can it it wears on these guys. The pressures that come with it, and and just showing up and being the you know your best every weekend, yeah. and then you've got people that you know. Yep. don't know what you're dealing with or what happened during yeah. the week or, uh, you know, you tipped over, you're banged up, the things that they don't talk about and, you know, they, people just see you on Saturday, right? On it's part of being them. a professional athlete. I've said that Absolutely. on the show more, more over times. I, like, I'm sorry that you – I don't mean this towards Joey. I mean any rider. Like, you're making money at, at a living in a sport with high profile. You're going to get criticized and yep. you're going to get praised and all that. It comes with the territory. You have to realize that. Have to deal with the keyboard warriors at, at times. Yeah. And that's why I'm a bit reserved, not that I'm even in his spot, but um, I have a hard time swallowing some of the criticisms that you give some of the top writers, especially oh, yeah. like Joey or even yeah. one of my favorite writers, Roxon. Yeah, you see some of these people on Instagrams and stuff, and, and like you shouldn't be allowed to say Like, I just block people. Like, I get yeah. it too, right, even in the media. Oh, I bet. And if you say anything, like, disrespectful or insult me, I, I just block you. Like, yeah. All right, Randy, so that's obviously some of the stuff we already said and touched on, but the reason I wanted to play that is to ask you, I, with Michelin, and I'm going to ask you also, Trevor, I don't know how much you know about this part of it, but what does Michelin as a company expect of their athletes when it comes to social media presence as far as, you know, like, it, can they can they get in trouble with Michelin if they say certain things like, where's the line? What's expected out of a company like Michelin? Um <clears throat> For us, for Michelin, we're you know a, a fairly conservative company, and and um, most definitely uh, want uh, to align ourselves with you know someone that's of good ethical values, so on. So in some of our agree, you know, in our agreements, generally speaking, um, uh, whether it's with a team, you know, and again, we're not involved in Supercross Motocross at this time, but I'm thinking back to when we were, or uh, for example, now with with Cam Sink or Ethan yep. Nell, um, who who are our you know mountain bike athletes and so on, and or our racing involvement in Europe and so on. <clears throat> um, there's typically some some stipulations in the contract regarding behavior and so on, ethical behavior. Um, we we would want our athletes, and I think anyone within the industry would want your your athlete's personality to show through. I think that's something that's that's uh, that's good. You know, you want that to show through. Um, but, you know, but you don't want someone who's completely inappropriate or or things that are uh, racially insensitive sure, or sure. otherwise offensive. So, yeah, there's typically some some stipulations in, in a whether it be a team agreement on behalf of the riders or whether it's an individual athlete agreement. OK, it's about what I expected. Uh, Trevor, I mm-hmm. assume it's the same with Maxima. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Randy pretty much pretty much hit it on the head. You you want them to to be themselves and and be be able to represent you know their personalities, um, you know how they want to. But at the same time, uh, our our brand as well is is fairly conservative, and 
um, very professional and, and we want our, our products and uh, what's, what's said about us to, to be relayed the same way. So, um, yeah. Of course. Cool. Um, hey, Trevor, so I know you know all about Michelin motorcycle tires from listening to Pulp Mech Show. But now that, Pulp, that Michelin Bicycle Tires is on board for the second year, I want you to know that in 1891, Michelin patented the first detachable bead pneumatic bicycle tire. And to this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world-class podium finishing products for both road and mountain bikes and BMX coming soon. If you'd like for to some, ride... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, for, for some people. For some people, yes. For I know. People, yeah, they're coming for I some know. people. Yeah. Poor, poor TJ. I, you know, I was just going to pass him <laughs> along. And just like TJ not getting to be in studio with Pulp, because of me, he also doesn't get BMX tires. <laughs> but if you'd like to ride the same Michelin bicycle tires as mountain bike legend Cam Zink and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill, stay tuned for more information and visit bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle tires. And, of course, follow them on Instagram at Michelin Bicycle. So, again, uh, thank you so much for being on board. I love my Michelin uh, mountain bike tires. I believe I would have loved the 20-inch tires. But, <laughs> hey, sometimes you just do stupid stuff. And, like we just talked about with what was expected of your athletes, I made a mistake. And I, I'm paying for it. Hey, but I have a Randyism. We we can't learn from our mistakes until we make them. Hey, there so. you go. Perfect. <laughs> and as we know, I make lots of them. <laughs> Don't we all? Don't we all, buddy? Yeah. All right. Um, Trevor, I really like when once Brock was on Brock Tickle, which was the second best interview Brock's done in two weeks um, with Pulp. It, it was it was almost as good as ours at that other show, the Pony Pod, as Steve likes to call it. Um, but we learned, well, I knew this already, but we learned that he had been talking to Tony since nationals. You know, he was working on a privateer deal possibly with Chiz once again, which was what he was going to do in 19 and he bailed on Chiz and now he's bailing on Chiz again. Um, <laughs> but it seems like a really good decision after hearing this interview from him. Like he really seems to be happy with his team. He said, it feels like being on a 250 lights team again, they're practicing together, same gear, like, it it was really an inspiring Brock Tickle Monday night. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think I think he's. You can tell that he's happy with the with the position that he's in, and and so I've I've worked with that team. They've been uh, a Maxima back team now for five or six years. So I work pretty closely with the team and, and Tony, and and I can attest to everything that that the writers do say about the team. That uh, it's a good environment, and, and it's there's a lot of focus on the important things and that's bringing a good bike to the racetrack and um and ultimately that's what these guys need you know i think it's a great place for brock to land uh i'm a i'm a fan of brock i like uh i like his work ethics you know he's done it a long time but he has a lot of knowledge and he understands the sport really well um and you know what he went through with the suspension and all that stuff and how he kept his head down. He kept grinding, stayed in shape, found new ways to, to stay relevant. And now he's made his back to his way back to uh, a premier level team. I, it's a, it's a great story. And, and yeah, I wish him, I wish him the best next year. I totally agree. Brock is great. Um, always friendly. Randy, I want to ask you, do you think we see big improvements from Brock from what we saw in 19 or do you think he'll stay in that same area? Um, it's gonna be tough. Uh, that's, that's yeah. That's a that's a great question. Tough question. Um, 
I, th- I think that he's probably riding with, you know, even more maturity and, and not just meaning by his age, but even more maturity. And, and, and one of the things that I was most impressed with uh, is his kind of a self-reflection regarding, well, you know, if I got 15th, why did I get 15th, mm-hmm. you know? And he refers to, all right, well, here's what I did in, in qualifying or practice session. Here's what I did in qualifying, which put me here in gate pick for a heat race, which then transferred here. So yeah, at the end of the day, I got a 15th. Well, who is that on, right? That That's, that's more so on the rider than a clicker setting or a tire choice or, or something like that. Um, so that really, I really, really, uh, admire him for that. I know Steve, you know, pointed out that, you know, uh, he w- he was pleased to hear a rider say that. Yeah. Um, but I think that I say that to say, you know, I think that, that Brock's, you know, got it maybe a lot more together, uh, this year. So maybe he's going to get, uh, like he said, I think it was he that said, we'll start the season, uh, just a couple clicks away from where you need to be no matter what. And, yeah, uh, yeah. and, and just focus on, on executing, in practice sessions, uh, executing and qualifying, executing heat races. So I think we could see an uptick in, in his results for the year. I, I hope so. And that it's like we mm-hmm. said, it's going to be difficult as always, because this field is keeps becoming more and more stacked every year. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's good to see him back. I think it's going to be good for him, hopefully to stay healthy and have a whole season. Uh, but like I said, a really good interview, uh, information that I already knew. I'm sure both of you knew from listening to the Moto X pod show last week, but, um, we'll, we'll move on from that. Um, I saw it. I, I'd read about it on MXA, uh, (laughs) but, uh, yeah. Okay. They got, they got the, uh, drop first then, huh? MXA. Yeah. That's where I saw it first. Jody must've been flying over in one of those helicopters or whatever, like, like, (laughs) like Rusty joked or kind of joked about when they were, yeah. 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 He must've flown over my studio when I was doing that interview and stole the audio. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Trevor, you, uh, you guys talked a little bit and, and Brock really agreed with something you said about finding someone to isolate what the issue is when you're, you know, when you're starting out, having somebody in your corner. And I, that brought up like a thought for me that I thought was really interesting. This kind of got talked about and it has been talked about on pulp, but just having the right people or the right group of people uh, in your corner, not necessarily an entourage, but people that are looking out for your best interest where it's important and how much effect uh, or weight do you think that has on whether a rider is successful or not? I think it ha- it has a lot of weight, in, in my opinion. Um, I just know from you know my experiences as, as in growing up as an amateur and other riders that that I grew up with racing and um, you know guys names that you've never heard of, but you know when I was on eighty five, they were the baddest dudes around. You know, and yep. for whatever reason, maybe there was uh, you know they were misguided or they thought one direction was, was the next best thing and, and ended up going that direction. And, uh, you have injuries, you have all these things that are factors in, in how you come up in racing. Um, so I think if you're able to understand that at a younger age or have people around you that understand that, uh, it's, it's extremely beneficial. You know, one of the, one of the scenarios that I had kind of talked about is, you know, you're seeing these, teams now like let's say star yamaha and they're grabbing kids at young ages and and molding these guys and bringing them up and and if you have the ability or the opportunity 
opportunity to get with a team like that at a young age. There's people in place there that have your best interests, in my opinion, but you have other type teams that are maybe these satellite type teams at an amateur level and, you know, they'll promise you a lot or it looks like a great opportunity, but maybe you're taking a step backwards on, on the bike or you're very comfortable on the bike that you're current ri- currently riding and buying and this might be a, a bad decision because you're you're going to maybe equipment that's subpar on what you're used to. Mm-hmm. So, sure. Uh, understanding if you should stick it out one more year, trying to do it on your own to then land on, you know, a higher level team because you had a, a good year because you rode equipment that you were comfortable on and that you're familiar with, as opposed to just jump and ship because it seems like the best decision at that time. And um, other things too are, are just the, at the end of the day, you need to be a good rider. You know, that I think there's a lot of, at an amateur level, there's so much focus now on the gym and the bicycle and, and all those things matter. But at the end of the day, if you're working with a kid and, and you're just blowing this kid out in the gym and on the bicycle and the days he's riding his motorcycle don't count, you're not really getting where you need to be, in my opinion. So if you have somebody that can isolate what's important, that's being on the motorcycle, that's making the days on the motorcycle count, and the other stuff is just to keep the body in tune, you know, I, those are all, all factors, in my opinion, that um, if you're able to understand at a young age what's important and what you need to focus on, it will benefit you uh, as you get older in your career. Yeah, I thought that was a fantastic point, and um, Brock clearly agreed with you. So, yeah, good job with that. Uh, all right, let's do... Let's, uh, let's see here. What do I want to touch on next? Let's talk about JT's dark period. Uh, we, we discussed the fact that JT, or they discussed that JT was on a team with uh, Rusty Holland, and JT had some things to, to say about all that. So you and Russ, teammates. Teammates. We Who we knew? Were. Tough Cowie. This isn't JT's dark period. He doesn't want to speak about these times very often, Russ. But he couldn't get a ride. He had to go do arena cross for, for money. And then he got hurt in that. And then he had to go to Canadian Nationals. And then he, he rightfully went back to Supercross and Motocross and found success. And O2 was actually uh, a really good year as far as my riding. I just kept getting hurt. Uh, part of the like, golden era, you know. And, yeah. and Josh Demuth was taking the reins over for that series and won a bunch of championships in a row. And there was a lot of money to be made, uh, which I'm sure, you know, you guys have probably talked about with Russ. But, uh, I, you know, I'd raced in Germany some, and I'd raced regional arena cross stuff. Um, so it was just one of those things where I wanted to kind of give it a shot and um, ended up not being the right direction for me. But it's one of those things where I, I learned a lot, and it was something that I'm glad I did just because, you know, you, you never want to leave any career without with having any regrets. And I got to go do that. And, and I you know, I got a podium or two in there, and, what do you think, Randy, about JT's outlook on that? Um, yeah, it's it. it the thing is, I when when uh, Steve refers to it as the the dark period, I think it it wouldn't necessarily be dark had JT not had uh, a much more success in Supercross and Motocross, right? So, in comparison, uh, it wasn't maybe his results weren't quite as good or what have you. And, and that, but, but, uh, JT, just like when he mentioned, when he, you know, you go to Germany or wherever for the, for you're going 8,000 miles away, you come home and you made 200 bucks. Yeah. Um, he's, he, he grinds, he's committed to, uh, figuring out additional ways to have income. He's figuring out additional ways to be successful. So, you know, to his point, I think he tried to rein across, he, he didn't want to leave that, uh, that table, 
unturned or what have you. He didn't want to not try that. Right. Just like now when he's so involved in so many things, whether it's his, his role with WPS and fly racing um, with uh, the Butler brothers, with that team, um, the Pulp MX platforms. I have no idea how he does everything that he does, but he's keeping a lot of irons and a lot of fires. And, and then, uh, and I think that's reflective of what he was doing in his career of racing as well was um, seeking success in multiple avenues. Yeah. And I, I think you're, it really, like you, you hinted at, it really was not a dark period that Steve just putting his spin on it. It was yeah, something that JT yeah. learned a lot from uh, and, you know, and took, took some lessons away. And I think that's something we can all learn from. And they talk mm-hmm. about that. I was going to talk about this a little bit later, but they talk about that. Trevor, you guys talked about it, about the transition from professional racer to desk job business type thing that all, all of you, JT, yourself, Rusty, and even Mathis, you know, as a professional mechanic have done. And it takes those lessons that you learned, the dark periods, the high periods, the, the championships, whatever, to build yourself into somebody that can do what you guys are doing, know how to work with other riders that are now using your product or sponsored by you or whatever the case may be. And kind of be, you know, building your own future. And it, and it really does take a personality like Steve Mathis, who has so much drive that nothing was going to stop him. And I've said before, I, I don't, I know I'm not built that way. I could not have lived in the shop for, you know, on a cot or whatever. I, I couldn't have done that. It's not, it's just not worth it to me. I'll take the safe route and probably be a little less unhappy, but I, at least I feel a little more secure uh, I wish I was built that way, but it's really impressive. And I think that's what I took away from JT and your conversation, Trevor. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, we, we talk about it sometimes and it's, it's that race mentality, right? So you could call it dark times. You could call it uh, whatever you want to call it in somebody's career, but through the good times, the bad times, one thing that's pretty consistent about a dedicated motocross rider is that he's going to figure it out. Right. So um, I think, as you move into uh, a business role somewhere or whatever it might be after racing, you can apply that same mentality to the job and uh, with challenges every day, with successes, whatever it's going to be, you're going to figure it out. You're going to put your head down and and you're going to make the best of the situation. So uh, JT is a perfect example of that. Absolutely. I think it's, I think it's also a, a, a passion for a combined thing of a passion for what you're doing and a, uh, pursuit of success, right? So, which is, I don't know if that's in, I think it's something that's in every, you know, somewhat successful racer. You know, we, we know people who, who, who compete at some point in time in their life and, and maybe a few races or a season here or there, but if, if someone's has a longstanding career in, in motocross, supercross, they definitely are, are someone who's self-motivated, driven, and have a passion for, for what they do. Right. So, yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Um, since 1999, Seal Savers has offered the ultimate protection to the off-road industry. Seal Savers is the original fork seal protection, starting with the original Seal Savers to prevent dirt, dust, and mud from getting into your fork seals. Seal Savers has since revolutionized fork seal protection with their Zip-On Seal Savers. They make installation a breeze. Check out their full line of moto products as well as intuitive products for your side-by-side Uh, motocross bike, and uh, pretty much anything else you need. Seal Savers is the original and the ultimate when it comes to protection. Enter the code PULP25 
for 25% off at sealsavers.com. So for you, those of you that really don't understand what this is, you guys, you know, the joke is saving seals, but suspension seals, fork seals, shocks on your UTVs, your dirt bikes, uh, man, you just, they're this a neoprene wrap, basically cover up your seals. You go right out in the mud, dirt and grit doesn't get up in your seals. You don't have to replace your fork seals all the time. It's a pain in the butt. So yeah, check out sealsavers.com. Mason with Seal Savers will be on the wrap-up show next week. We're going to be doing a giveaway, so listen next week. We're also going to have Van Martin on. So uh, Privateer Van Martin is going to do the wrap-up show for the first time. That's going to be really cool. Um, something else I want to talk about, but getting back to Rusty and the aggressiveness. Steve asked uh, Rusty about a takeout that you look back on and think, eh, that was a little too aggressive. Maybe, uh, maybe I would like to change that or something. And he brings up the taking out Bradshaw. Uh, Randy, which that's a no-no in the Mathis household. <laughs> yeah, I was I was uh, definitely surprised to hear that one uh, for sure. I, I wasn't aware of that uh, historical uh, thing, so yeah, I was I was surprised to hear that as well. But at the same time, um, uh, you know, when when he told the backstory of it, um, it, it seemed justified, right? And then, well, he thought so. Then, yeah, I mean, he thought so, and then and then. Uh, uh, I think it was to JT's point is, you know, someone like Damon or someone like that. If you, uh, if, if, if you dish it out that much, you, you have to be ready to, to accept it back, right. Or expect it back rather. That's absolutely fair. That's good uh, mm-hmm. advice. Let's listen to the audio of it. And I actually have a response from Damon Bradshaw. Ah. Russ, was there a takeout in arena cross that even you think you went too far on where you were like, Oh, Yes, that was bad. yes, but at the same time, it was justifiable. <laughs> <laughs> well, who was the rider? Bradshaw. What? Yeah. You took out Bradshaw? Yes. Oh, I should kick you off the show right now. I mean, <laughs> he's, he's a fucking legend. I know, and I was a big fan as a kid, and it was a hard thing for me to do. But uh, <laughs> he came in and screamed at my, my buddy Chad Johnson, which was on our team on the, on yep. the Honda days. And uh, Chad was such a lighthearted young kid. I think he was 16 at the time. And uh, I, I just didn't want to stand for it. And not something I'm proud about, but again, it, it, you have to fight fire with fire. If you're just going to sit there and take it, you're, you're going to get So what, just T-bone off, fly off the track? Like what? Yeah, it was pretty much a 180-degree turn, mm-hmm. and, and I stopped about a quarter of the way in and made a, a sharp left. And <laughs> we met up at the end, and if I remember correctly, he flew into the mechanics and into the starting gate. and. Basically, the way it was set up is if you were the fastest guy in the back, he would pay you for each passing oh. maneuver you made. So okay. you didn't necessarily have to win. Yeah. But the goal was is they would auction the riders off before the race. Yeah. So yeah. if you did win, you got to split the purse with the guy that bought you from the stand. So oh. there was always incentive to win. Dude, that's awesome. That's, yeah. I tell you what. Some guy going, I got Rusty Hall, and he is going to kill everybody out here. Well, and it wasn't <laughs> just me. I mean, there was brutal stuff happening. I mean, I was just part of the show, you know. <laughs> And I mean, every- I feel like it's like Running Man. Yeah, I'm sure that's really kind of two separate topics that I put together there. Uh, the Running Man reference. I don't know. Did either of you, Trevor? Did you get that reference? I, I didn't get it. I, I did. I figured I you didn't because you're a little younger. Randy, you did you get it? I must be. I must be too old then. Or too young. Okay, so the Running Man was a movie Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger was in in like the late '80s, early '90s based off a Stephen King book where basically I think they took criminals and put them in this real life TV show, like reality show where 
they had to survive these killers basically that were hired and people would be auction off or pay for like uh, JT said, Buzzsaw. One of the guys might have been named Buzzsaw. I got Buzzsaw. How quickly can he make the kill on these <laughs> uh, criminals? So that was kind of the reference. I figured a lot of people didn't get it, but uh, great, great movie. Go check it out. Um, I, I didn't. If, if if Will Ferrell wasn't in it, I probably didn't see okay. it. So. Okay, he was so not in it. The, uh, he yeah. was not in it, that, <laughs> no. But um, I, I did, before I get to the Bradshaw thing, I did really love that idea, though, Randy, of – the it's almost like the um the 50 50 deal they go through the crowd and you know hey give me a dollar give us a dollar and 50 cents of it goes to the winner of the dash for cash and the, and we'll draw a name and the winner wins the other half in the crowd but this is you know basically taking people out or it, it, it leads to taking people out by bidding on or auctioning on a rider and i love it yeah i think uh i think i say your generation my generation i think i think we would love that. Yeah. It was from a different time period, you know, yep. now, you know, back then it was back then it was okay to, to hurt someone's leg or arm. <laughs> I don't want and, go that now, far. And, and now, and now you can't hurt someone's feelings. You know, that's not nice. So, <laughs> True. um, Wait it's a just minute. a different oh, time. I have a, I have a, a lot, probably a class action lawsuit against Steve. Then he hurts my feelings all the time. <laughs> and technically I am an employee. Oh, look at that. You there may we have go. It. You may uh, have it. I'll let it go. Cause at least I keep getting keep i get to keep doing the show um i actually said in the tra- in the chat room the youtube chat room uh trevor during this is like i would love this to be our intermission at supercross where we take everybody that didn't finish that didn't get into the main from the lcq and then that we do an auction for those guys you know like when a ray doesn't make it into the main event my money's on a ray well he'll probably take himself out but regardless that i think that'd be awesome if we could have a little two lap battle and i mean and supercross who knows how much money they could raise yeah it's a it's a great idea i i think uh kind of what randy said you know nowadays it just yeah the, the slightest bump or the slightest you know t- whatever it might be coming over on some guy it, it evokes so much emotion out of everybody <laughs> right I don't know if you could pull it off but uh probably not uh, i had i had not heard of of a race like that before. So when, when he was telling that story, I, I thought that was pretty cool to get some people in the crowd betting on you and things like that. I, yeah. I would imagine it was probably pretty fun to, to watch. And uh, yeah, it was pretty cool to hear about. Absolutely. Okay. So Damon Bradshaw, I texted Damon, we kind of relayed the story of Ru- Rusty being on the show, the story that he told. And I said, Hey, would you mind coming on and doing like a five minute, uh, your side of the story? And his response was, uh, let's see here, I don't even know who Rusty Holland is. My quote would be, <laughs> check the results, uh, you know, as far as how they finish. I vaguely remember yelling at Chad and one of his cronies running into me. His, probably his only claim to fame. So, there you go. <laughs> there <laughs> that, wow. that is a perfectly restored or, like, kept, 1989 Damon Bradshaw quote, in my opinion, like that doesn't feel like the Damon Bradshaw that I know now, but <laughs> I don't know if he was having a bad day or if he was just laughing when he was saying it. Cause it's text form. So I have no idea, but I thought it was gold. <laughs> what do you think, Randy? Yeah. Yeah. W- without hearing the, the tone and inflection and stuff, you, you don't ne- definitely don't know how to read into right. it. Right. Right. Um, I, I thought he, I thought Damon might come back and say, yeah, but you know, yeah, he hit me pretty hard, but it didn't damage my bike as, as much as you did, Dark Side. No, that, that's why that I was would thinking have been good. He might say something like that. But, that would have been but, good. I definitely yeah. expected 
oh yeah, that was good times or I did the, you know, but yeah, he's like, yeah, I don't even know who that is. That, that was (laughs) okay. All right. Moving on then. Uh, um, Hey, everybody that listens to pulp should be excited about this, especially if you're in Texas area, Steve announced a live show opening round of Houston Supercross at three palms, not cycle ranch. My bad on the 15th. That's going to be cool. I don't know if either of you guys will get to make that the travel for that. But I would suggest trying to. It's going to be a lot of fun. Randy, you've done some of these. Um, Trevor, have you ever done a, one of the live shows? No, no, I have not. We, we talked about it a little bit last night uh, or Monday night after the show. And um, I'll, I'll plan on being out there for those those first couple rounds just for, for Maxima for the, the Supercross series. So uh, we'll, we'll try and line something up to, to jump in one of the live shows as well. So I'm looking forward to that. Awesome. Well, I hope you and, make the Houston one because I'd love to get a chance to meet you. Go ahead, Randy. Yeah, and I'd, I'd love to make that as well. And just to clarify, I've never done any of the live shows. I've I've purchased tickets and attended them. Well, same that's, as that's me. That's what I've done. That's, that's, yeah, yeah, that's what thing. I meant. Yeah, same thing. Yeah. So Steve's just getting more of my money. Yes, is, yes. Uh, well, that's uh, the he, way it is, right? He so. told me the same thing, that I had to buy a ticket. He said that <laughs> Monday night. Uh, yeah. And, and, like, I was just referring to the fact that I don't even know if I'm going to get credentials to be at Supercross because mm-hmm. – uh, I'm not quite big enough media as of yet, but we're we're getting there. Um, Trevor, I want to ask you commercial break. Steve wants me to talk and ask you guys about stuff that goes on the show, and I think that is interesting, obviously. What were the two commercial breaks like for you? What was going on? Was there any inside scoop you can give us? Uh, what was everybody doing? What were the pookie snacks? Give us a quick little recap of the commercial breaks. Uh so first commercial break we had we had Chipotle like I mentioned so right. upstairs had some uh, we actually got on to the subject of Travis doing a backflip so oh, okay majority of the conversation so thanks Rutherford to Randy heard that. yeah so we we got to talking about just some some stories and things like that and uh, uh, we talked about Randy doing the flip as well and just kind of um, Travis's experience at at Pastrana's house and things like that so that was kind of the the first commercial break, we we ran it pretty pretty tight. Actually, we almost missed uh, missed our cue to start up again. If you can imagine that up there talking too long, so yep, I noticed. Um, yeah, yeah. And then uh, second commercial break, uh, I think it was just bathroom breaks and uh, a little bit of hanging out. There was some some texting going on. Um, Pookie any, snacks. Any requ- any requests? from anything upstairs there was no pookie snacks i can confirm no snacks that oh, wow. night yeah so it was it was uh it was pretty mellow to be honest okay second break fair enough i'm sorry you missed out on pookie snacks because that's the that's the highlight of the night if you're in studio um or just hanging out with pookie that's that's a highlight in general definitely the better of the mathises yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right i'm going to ask each of you this question um and i'm gonna let you go first randy and this came off the, the Joey Savacci interview, this is what made me think of this, because I said a lot of people have had negative thoughts on him as an interview or whatever. Has an interview that Steve has done ever changed your opinion of a writer, whether you liked them and then after the interview you didn't like them or vice versa? Um, one, I think, uh, especially on this interview, I think Savacci did a good job of, of being more engaging, kind of uh, sharing a bit more of a – the human side and showing his personality. So I, I, you know, again, I developed a bit more um, uh, following for him or okay. affection for, for him as a writer. I think, um, I think he, he did himself a favor by, you know, 
sharing what he did on the show. Um, there's one I can't think of it right now. I can't think of who it was. Um, that I'm like, that kid is awesome. Um, yeah. And I, and, and the name's slipping me right now, but, I'm but with definitely, you. Yeah. yeah, but definitely at times. And, and the one thing I've, I've told Steve through the years and, and I stand behind this and it ties into what you were saying earlier with, with the Damon Bradshaw, uh, text, um, you know, I grew up reading cycle news and, and different publications and you're reading a, a two sentence quote from a writer or maybe you're reading an interview from a writer and and you're having to assume what what level of emotion or, or what tone and inflection and how that writer is, is answering that question, how that writer is explaining what happened at that race. Right. So you're you're trying to read into it or read between the lines what that writer's personality is or what their perspective is. I think Steve's show and, and other podcasts, which are typically a lot better than his, um, uh, I think that 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 it, it enables you to hear the racer and hear their tone and, and hear their um, their approach to it or their perspective on it, their emotion about it, their passion for racing, the frustration of it, um, and whether they're happy, mad, upset when they answer the question. And I just think that the entire uh, platforms that exist nowadays for for fans like myself and many, many others to sit in on a bench racing session. It's just pure gold. I love it. We're, we're really fortunate to have that nowadays. Could not agree with you more. Trevor, do you have any examples of uh, that? Um, I, nothing specifically as far as like a writer, but I do enjoy, you know, some of the shows that he's had that guys come on that have since retired and, um, and they're able to open up a lot more even now or tell stories or, or things that, they wouldn't have been able to tell while they were like, you know, the times that he's had Bill Poto on there yep, and then yep. I think it was show when he had everybody in studio, like just stuff like that. I, I mean, I get a kick out of listening to that stuff and the stories that those guys tell because it's, it, it breaks up the, you know, what's your plans for next year? How's training going? Where do you see yourself type questions? You know what I mean? So you get, you get a little bit more insight on, on these guys' personality and, and what they're all about. And, uh, and, it, and, I enjoy hearing that kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah. yeah well, I, go ahead. Go ahead, Randy. I, I agree completely. Um, I think back to, you know, when I was a fan of the sport, you know, or as long as I've been a fan of the sport in the eighties and nineties and so on, you know, back when I had you know, like Supercross track at my house, I would have John Sebastian Wah, Todd who Jeremy Buell, uh, James Eichel, all these people come and practice there before the, the Southeast or the Eastern rounds. Um, but the sport, in general, the sport never got, uh, or the fans were unlikely to get exposure to those racers and those personalities unless uh, they're, you're, you're, they're from that area. You know what I mean? Everyone who grew up watching, let's say, James Eichel uh, in, in, in Ohio in that area, they knew him and knew his personality and everything. But on the national scale, it was hard for someone, to, for someone like him or other privateers to gain exposure think about nowadays how what an amazing following that a ray has or Cade clayson or you know filthy phil and different ones that seven that steven yeah yeah seven deuce deuce that that dude's awesome right yeah. and uh and 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 no disrespect but without these type platforms many of them w would be just someone else on the track that that the general fan watching the supercross show on tv would never know who they were or know what about their, uh, who they are once they take the helmet off. 
Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. I, I've said this many times, too. Like, a lot of those guys, Seven Deuce Deuce, A-Ray, mm-hmm. I would have never even known of, ever. I would have ne- probably never paid yeah. attention to yeah. them without Pulpamex. A hundred percent, Steve Mathis is why, even before mm-hmm. I got into quote-unquote media, knew who a lot of these guys are. It's all thanks to his privateer. I mean, it was before he was doing Privateer yeah. Island, but him him basically promoting that, it's all because of him. And um, mm-hmm. those guys owe him a debt of gratitude. And, I, yeah, mm-hmm. you're, you're 100% right. I did just think of, while Trevor was talking, one of the writers that didn't necessarily change my opinion because I didn't dislike him, but it upped my opinion of him. I guess it did change it a little bit, was Justin Cooper. I always thought Justin Cooper was pretty bland, pretty boring, pretty robotic. But his last interview, uh, when he was talking about bringing the dog on the podium and like he kind of opened up, that was a big one for me. I, I like I texted him immediately. So that was one of the best interviews I've ever heard you do. That was awesome. And and I think Steve brought a lot of that out of him. Um, either one of you, if you got a, got a response, if not, we can move on. I I agree, and that was one of the ones that I was thinking of yeah. uh, most definitely. He and he came on, and 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 rather than uh, you know, no pun intended, rather than tuck tail, uh, <laughs> yeah, he fully, you know, he fully owned, he fully owned. Yeah, I took my dog up there. Yeah, and I, you know, you won a race, you can do whatever the heck you want to, right? Yeah. Um. So, so, so I think his personality came through really well, and uh, yeah, he's and and I became more of a. Uh, more interest in him as a person and as a racer as a result of that interview for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a, what I think is a pretty funny seven deuce do story. It is not mm-hmm. pulp related. Sorry, Steve, you can fast forward to this section if you would like, if you even listen, but my show is sponsored by Cherbies who sponsors Adam. I was working on a new commercial for a Cherbies. Um, and I was trying to come up with an idea to do something interesting. And I thought, huh, I wonder if Adam would do a rap for me. So I sent him a text and said, hey, will you help me with a rap for a cherry commercial for my show? And he's like, yeah, yeah, you write it and I'll help you out. I was like, okay. So I write and I'm like, I can't write rap lyrics. I'm just trying to figure something out. <laughs> I write something that would sound like you would expect coming from me. And I sent it to him and he calls me like almost right away. He's like, all right, hey, like rap it for me. And I said, oh, hell no. I know you're recording right now. Steve will have this five minutes later. Not a chance. And he goes, no, dude, I swear I would never do that to you. I need to hear how it goes, what your thought is, so mm-hmm. that I so I can change something or whatever. So I was like, God dang it. So I did it while I'm driving down the road. Uh, how, I, how, did, how does it go? Oh, yeah. Nope. Not happening. <laughs> not happening. I but tried. It, it yeah. exists. In the, it's It's out there somewhere in the cloud. But. He helps me with lyrics. He has me do this. He says, change this. Go, you know, don't do anything for an hour. Think about it again. So I'm going through all this. And I'm going, why does he want me to do this? Like, because you're going to do it anyway. You're right, Adam. You're going to wrap it. It took a few days of going back and forth. And all of a sudden I said, hey, like, are you ready? Are you ready to record this? And he goes, what do you mean record? And I went, oh, shit. He thinks I'm doing this. I just need help with the lyrics. And I was like, no, dude. I, <laughs> I said, I think maybe I didn't explain this well enough. I was hoping you would do it. And he's like, yeah, no, 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 I'm not doing that. Uh, He said, he's like, you do it. And I said, no, I would never, ever, ever live that down. Never. But he does probably still have a copy of it. And if he ever releases it, I told him I would never forgive him. It's, it's so bad. Oh man. Anyway, that, you know, uh, that's funny. 
sorry. No, go ahead. Talk with with Randy for a minute. Years <laughs> ago, years ago, I, I get uh, a, a, an email from from Travis Pastrana and Greg Godfrey, and they go, "Hey, uh, you're really creative. Will you can you can you write us a song for our new DVD?" Yeah. And I'm like, uh, "What?" Anyway, so stop me if you already know this. No, but, I don't. And and he goes, uh, "You know uh, what what DVD? The next Nitro Circus. It's called Thrillbillies. Want you to write a song. You're real creative." And I'm like, "Okay." Okay, so, and it's called Thrillbillies, and they're like, yeah, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, and they want it to sound kind of a, you know, funny song or whatever. I'm like, well, that's easy. You just take the Beverly Hillbillies theme song and you, you change the words to suit to tell the story about Travis and Nitro Circus. So, so you know, one evening I sat there and had a couple beers and rewrote, uh, you know, come and listen to a story about a crazy little kid, a poor little feller. I think they dropped him <laughs> on his head, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So I, yeah. so I, I write, I rewrite those lyrics, email it back, and 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 uh, and Travis, you know, emails me, you know, oh my God, you're an effing genius. How do you do that? Whatever. And and then and then Godfrey was pumped. So then smash cut. I don't know. A month later, a month or two later, I was in traveling with Western Power Sports and and in the Salt Lake area, and visited Greg Godfrey and and Jeremy Raw. And they go, hey, we want to record that song while you're in town. I'm like, oh, that's cool. So we're driving up to Park City, Utah. Uh huh to some recording studio this and that and and they're talking about it and and i'm like yeah this will be cool i said i'm i'm honored to be able to write these lyrics i'm looking forward to seeing this thing get recorded you know and okay cool and <laughs> and who's yeah who's gonna who's gonna sing it and they're like well you are and i'm like <laughs> wait a minute wait a minute i cannot sing you know i can't sing and they're like yeah but we want it to sound you know hillbilly and hick you know and i'm like thank you you know so <laughs> yeah, uh yeah so anyway so that's that's what uh, we did we went to park city and recorded that song and it's the the lead in for thrillbillies but yeah yeah so i can see where the smallest little misunderstanding can get you in some big trouble yeah so. well mine will not be uh on any dvd cds <laughs> uh unless unless adam <laughs> blows me out which i am trusting him because it was i did play it for tj and he uh -huh. was like crying laughing so you got to put that out there and i was like no like that's all Steve does is make fun of me for stuff. I'm not yeah. giving him any more ammo, and this is would be like everything else would be forgotten. Bradshaw's crash that'd be forgotten. <laughs> uh, so okay, we got a couple more topics that I really want to get to. The first one is uh, Jason Wygant, Chris Kiefer, issues with her kids, uh, and and they're racing and saying the wrong thing and the kids misunderstanding or however you want to put this thing into words. But Randy, I mean, you've got a, a son. I'm sure yeah. there's been misunderstandings uh, with things yeah. you talk to him about, but both amazing stories. I love that. We just kid was like, why are you yelling at me? This is annoying. Like <laughs> poor yeah. kid yeah. doesn't know Let's, what he did wrong about it. Yeah. Can we stop talking about it? Yeah. It's annoying. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I love the fact that both these guys allow these things to be talked about. Like he, they could very easily have just kept it to themselves, but they allow it to go out on the air for our entertainment. And I mean, these are great <laughs> stories, Randy. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And, and, uh, you know, we story is so funny, you know, and, and you, you can't to, I think how old, uh, Lane is five or six anyway, kindergarten, yeah, somewhere in there. but, but to start telling him, you know, well, you know, a one, one, two will beat a this beat of that no if, if your kids won the first two races hey buddy go out there and do the best you can and and try to win this one if you can't just do the best you can yep, whatever right? exactly because again at the end of the day it's 
not a big deal, right? But it's just so funny because it's Weege. And, and <laughs> He's it, trying it to ties strategize in. with a kindergarten. Yeah, it, yeah, it just ties into the, the legend that is – uh, Jason Wygant and the ongoing <laughs> faux pas that he has. Right? Oh, so yes. it's classic. Yes, and Trevor, uh, I assume you don't have kids. How old are you? I'm 29, so okay. no kids yet. Okay, well, you could easily have had kids by now, but no kids. So um, I want to get your thoughts, and I'm going to ask Randy, on uh, Chris Kiefer having Aiden, his own son, disqualified. What do you think? I think it's funny. I think it's amazing parenting in my opinion what do you think as a non-parent yeah i i I talked to chris a little bit at the race and and he brought that story up and and the first thing i said to him i said we need more parents like you to be honest i mean it's a it's a it's a great lesson oh and and i could think back of of myself growing up racing and uh my dad wouldn't have stood for it either you know what i mean so um i think it's that's one of the good things about motocross racing is uh is the things that you learn and uh the stuff that you can carry on to you know with you later in life and things like that and that's a that's a perfect lesson you know it's, there's, there's no shortcuts for things everything requires hard work there's no handouts yep and, not uh, every kid deserves a trophy <laughs> yeah right yeah, absolutely. absolutely everything's competition you're gonna have to fight for everything that you get and um you know Taking the easy way is not the answer. So, yeah, going back to, to your question, I, I thought it was awesome. I, I, yeah. was, I mean, we were up talking about it, and I'm like, it's, that's perfect. That's what you should have done. So, <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Rand, and, Randy, I'm going to let you go. I know you're a great father from everything we see. I want to hear what your thoughts are. I I, I fully agree with it, you know, and and uh, and I think that there's so many life lessons you can learn through through uh, sports in general, but motorcycle racing and so on. Um, and and yeah, our kids we kids don't need to be yeah they need to be cared for they need to have unconditional love they don't necessarily need to be pampered for everything you know I, I was reflecting on you know Steve disqualifying you know or, or going and turning in his own son. Um, one of the harder life lessons that, that, that my son learned at a young age, he was, you know, elementary school and Hey dad, will you look at my, my, my homework? And I'm like, yeah, I said, I will. I looked at it and I said, Hey buddy, uh, you didn't, you didn't put your name on the top of your homework. All right. So that, that's the one time I'm going to tell you that, um, you put your name on your homework. That's the first thing you do. You take pride in it. You, You know, you, you, you take pride in putting your name on it, that you're going to do this work and it represents your effort. So you sign it, you put your name on it. That's the first thing you do. Don't ever bring me homework again. That doesn't have your name on it. <laughs> yeah. And then probably, I don't know, a week or so later he's with his mom, but then back with me. And then he said, yeah, will you look at my math homework? Yeah, let me look at it. So I look at it, no name on it. Mm. And there were 12 questions. So I said, all right, go play and I'll, I'll take a look at it. Well, it's erased everything. Oh, um, all the work he'd done. Yeah. I nice. erased every bit of it and then gave it back. I said, okay, come, Come everybody, come look at this. How, how did I do? I said, well, you didn't put your name, so you got to do it over. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I think one more time it took him to yeah. do that. But but he never ever ever did that. And and it wasn't so big of a deal of putting your name on the homework. It was assigning your name to and taking ownership and accountability for something you're doing. And uh, yep. uh, so yeah, I think I think Aiden will twenty years from now uh, that 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 scenario will will apply in many ways in his life that he can't even fathom yet. I, I absolutely agree. I think, uh, I think the keepers are doing a great job with Aiden for what mm-hmm. I've seen. I've been around him a few times and, and Aiden is 
an extremely respectable, respectful kid. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think that I, but I thought that was an awesome story. There's some other things I want to touch on. We're starting to run a little long. So um, okay. let's jump into real quick Race Tech Rants, Pulp 20 at Race Tech to save. Uh, Trevor, the bike, well, uh, Randy, the bike wash story from Trevor. People <laughs> suck, dude. People just suck. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just, uh, human beings yeah. can, can tend to not be that good nowadays. I don't, yep. know, I don't know why, you know I mean? There's so much, uh, there's a lot of entitlement and ownership and this and that. And, and, uh, yeah, just, just, that was, that was a funny story. Not surprising to me at all. Um, and I, I loved it how, uh, Trevor had to keep going over there and like, uh, and I forget the name of the track owners, but going, no, those people didn't. Yeah. Pay for plugins. Unplug them. Right. right so, yeah. Uh, and the guy trying to awesome, steal water awesome while he's working. Yeah. Awesome story. Yeah. Awesome story. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Thanks for that, Trevor. I appreciate that. Um, that was good. Uh, and then the other one, of course, my last piece of audio comes from uh, this story. And Steve, Steve tries to go to an e-bike race to which Chris Kiefer says, how, why? Um, let's play, let's play the audio. We'll briefly talk about it. Maybe one more thing and then we're going to be done. Anyways, it was a fucking failure. I DNF'd. So I just, yeah, I'm a loser. I DNF'd. Steve, as racers, you're dick measuring all the time, no matter what you're doing. No, my right? battery so. ran out, so no fucking dick measuring for me. <laughs> just no, I'm not in the top mode and my battery's out. So yeah, my dick was super small. So yeah, Trevor, um, Steve says he's a loser. He's a failure. And uh, apparently some other stuff. Uh, made me spit my food out anyway. And that piece of audio, that's, that is 100% percent a drop from now on oh yeah absolutely it has to be oh it already is i made sure that marks had it and he like immediately sent back yeah already got it it's already cut so it's done um (laughs) and apparently you were in studio trevor uh but as soon as he said that mark said that steve looked over at him and said stop it did you see i I watched him do it. I watched him lean over, put his hand on the side of his mouth to block his mic and and tell Travis that. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Sorry, Steve. It's uh, it's going to get used. It's already on my show twice on this show here, the wrap up show, um, which is also brought to you by motosport.com. Those who ride dirt bikes, motorcycles, ATVs, and UTVs know motosport is the best place for OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear, and accessories. Motosport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good, too. Whether you race on the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your next ride your best ride only at Motosport.com. Everybody back on board for 2021. Uh, Okay, let's see. Last question for each. uh, This is for Trevor. I'm pretty sure I've asked you this before, Randy. Anything that you would like to change about the Pulpomix show, if you could, or a guest that you would love to see on the in studio. In the wow. studio. Yeah. Hmm. Like, I think the changing the show. I don't. I think he does a a really good job, and and we talked about it. How you know he's adapting and still coming up with new ways to make it exciting with the cameras in studio, so you can watch it live and things like that. So I I think he's he's continuing to progress and evolve like he needs to to keep the show interesting and, and fun um man to think of somebody in studio yeah if you don't have anybody that's fine nothing comes to mind yeah that's, that's a tough one I, I could just think of 
I don't know, somebody like uh, like a Kevin Windham even or good pick. Uh, yeah, somebody, yeah. Like, somebody like that, you know. This uh, I I really like Kevin's attitude and, and the way he talks about things, and yep. I think he'd be. He'd be fun to have in studio. He would have awesome stories, and it'd be a cool perspective on things. So that's that's one that comes to mind okay. for me. Ready? If I haven't asked you that before, is there somebody that stands out to you? No, you haven't. That's definitely an excellent, uh, excellent choice, Trevor. I, I'd love to hear K Dub in there. Um, he's he's a very articulate, intelligent writer, and and you know, uh, this so involved in so many different different. Uh, I say decades, but parts of the sport. Sure. Um, super. Uh, that'd be an excellent one to have in there for sure. Okay. All right. Well, guys, uh, stay tuned for the information for the live show at Three Palms. That'll be coming soon. Also, be looking out for the new pod from Steve and Weed's Reraceables. Uh, if you guys have any issues trying to find it on iTunes, I know some people were having issues. I think it really comes down to how you spell it. There's a dash in there, so make sure you get that in. But I'm sure it's going to come up on the feed soon. Check that out. I'm looking forward to it. It's all I need is something else to listen to. Uh, other than that, guys, Randy, anything else you want to talk about before we go? No, just that that Steve's not much of an e-mountain bike competitor. He didn't know how to manage the battery life. Um, the superior uh, specialized turbo Oof. Levo just crushed him. And, uh, <laughs> and it doesn't surprise me at all. doesn't surprise me at all. The, the jailbroke, the jailbroke uh, bikes. Uh, that was funny. Like, yeah, either, either either that or those riders were just stronger. Probably. That's that. probably yeah, the case. That. Yep. Trevor, yep. anything else you want to talk about? Uh, no, I I, uh, I think I'm good. I, I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, you know, I appreciate Steve having me on the other night. I think uh, what you're doing here is, is entertaining, and it's a cool perspective on, on the show, and definitely wish you the best moving forward. So, well, hey, I appreciate it. I appreciate you doing it. Thanks for coming on for your first time. Hopefully uh, you'll be willing to do it again sometime. Once again, everybody listening, if you guys have any comments, any criticism, any content that you would like for the Hello Pookie segment, hit me up, darkside at pulpamex.com. Support all the sponsors. Go to pulpamexshow.com. Support all the sponsors, including Fly Racing, X-Brand Goggles, everybody else. Uh, it means a lot to the show. It's what allows these things to keep going. I want to thank again Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, Seal Savers, Motorsport.com. Uh, appreciate everybody listening. I appreciate the sponsors. Other than that, that is a wrap for this episode. We're out of here. Hey, uh, I know it's a long show, Dark Side, but I appreciate all the listeners. Uh, you know, Unlike A-Ray's exhaust, I appreciate everyone hanging on <laughs> till the end. So thanks. Oh, that was fantastic. <laughs> Poor A-Ray. Getting, he, he wasn't even on tonight because he got bumped, and now he's getting beat up on. Did you and did you did you see his did you see his uh, tweet earlier? I didn't. What did it say? Oh, so he he he, he tweets during the thing. Uh, your dark your post about uh, doing the wrap up show this and that whatever. Sorry, A Ray. And he says, Yo, I'm pissed, Pulpamex. So then I screenshot that I was talking to you, you know, on the phone. Yeah. And I said I'd re I said I'd reply with something quick witted, A Ray, but I'm busy now, uh, busy right now recording the Pulpamex wrap up show. Oh, nice. I'm looking at it now. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Okay. I see your screenshot. And then Steve replied, We figured you were busy with Swap Moto Live oh, it's, podcast. It's which, so good. Yeah. In the in the stuff we recorded before you guys came on, where A Ray came yeah. on, he said, I'm just going to, uh -huh. I'm going to swaps right now. We're going to record something. So, yeah. And uh, Eric Harvey, uh -huh. who's a listener, he's a big time listener, said, Shots fired. Oh, and I also yeah. want to thank uh, my buddy Nick Stills from Moto Limited podcast over in uh -huh. Australia. Uh, Nick, every week, Nick Still 
takes notes and timestamps for me and sends no me way. stuff so that if I miss something or I always say if he, he might find something interesting that I thought, eh, no big deal. And yeah. It makes me revisit it when I'm doing my research, mm-hmm. my notes. So Nick spends but, a lot yes, of time. Especially, especially a tr- uh, I, I say true fan. I know you're a fan. Of, I know you're a fan <laughs> of the show, but, but a, a non-employee yes, fan, right. Yes. Or a non-sponsor fan or whatever that might be. And, and, uh, and I think that's cool that he does that for you. That's awesome. Yeah, it really is. And he, he, like I said, he's got a, a po- he's part of a podcast over there. Moto limited network, I believe. Uh-huh. I hope I'm getting that right in Australia. Uh, they're getting ready for their Australian Supercross to be kicking off soon. So, yeah, appreciate those guys. Appreciate you, Trevor, you, uh, Randy. But that's it. We're out of here. Hey, thanks, guys. And, Trevor, hope to uh, cross paths with you someday and meet you, buddy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll catch up uh, maybe at a race or at a, at a Western yeah. show or something like that. Yeah. I'll make sure to flag Sound, you. Sounds good. Thanks, right. guys. See ya. Bye. Later, bye. Why would you want to talk, re-talk about the Pulp Show?